0: Amen. Just turn to somebody and say hello, if you would. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you may be seated. Good to see A whole row of folks over here with Rebecca and Rob. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Good to see you again. And welcome back, all of those that are here. Are you healthy? Are you happy? Heaven bound. If so, say amen. 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 And uh, we have, in addition to what you've had in the past, we have these special envelopes. Thank you, all of you who remember to give during this time. Our giving has continued. It's been maintained. And all of our bills are paid and all of our projects taken on. We've been through about six projects. And so thank you so much for that. Uh, We have mentioned several other things. But now we have the Prepare for Revival offering envelopes. We're not going to have... The uh, conference, as we normally have it, we're going to have special speakers during the month. The month of October, our emphasis is upon missions. And when you think of missions, you think of worldwide evangelization. We're going to look at it through the lens of of the Word of God and see what God has to say about those that we need to be reaching with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm excited about it. If you'd like to give a little extra, that will help us. And then at the end of the month... Those who would like to give, in honor of our 57th church anniversary, on the last Sunday, that's the 25th of October, we'll be talking uh, specifically about the blessings of God over these past 57 years. And you might want to give $57 or $157 or $570 or $1,000. I don't know what you're going to give. But if it's, if it's 57 cents, that's okay. Uh, give as unto the Lord and praise the Lord for what you do. And thank you so much. On the way out today, you want to stop by and pick up a copy of Acts and Facts and you'll find out why God made mosquitoes. No, it doesn't say that. It just explains how they track you down. Seems like you try to get away and you spray yourself with all kinds of stuff. And I think if you just drink vinegar, right, that'll take care of it. That'll, that'll repel them. Some And vinegar, if it's, uh, if it's the right kind, if it's apple cider vinegar, well, it'll cure everything on the planet. I believe it does, doesn't it? Makes you good looking. Look what it's done for me. Amen. What are you laughing about? Amen. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. You've been drinking it too, I understand. Uh, All right. Very good. That's it. All right. Also, uh, it is not a conspiracy. It is absolutely a blessed thing that we have put our stamp of approval upon. Uh, This uh, DVD, The Insanity of God, is a missions video, and they're being distributed Uh, Among our church people, if you haven't got one yet, uh, you might ask and we'll find out who's got it and you can view it and it will change your life. Brother Gabe, uh, isn't that the fact? That is the truth. It'll change your life. It'll change your outlook and uh, you will determine that it's worth living for Jesus and worth uh, being a witness. I want to thank Ed and Cheryl for giving me the first copy to view and then I went out and bought a bunch and just distributed them and say, folks, just pass them around. And everybody, let's see that and uh, let's find out what God is doing in this world and what He can do through us as well. Finally, before I get to the message, let me just say that we appreciate Ed and Cheryl also for their ministry of the Ambassador Discipleship Institute. If you haven't signed up yet, you need to. Everybody needs to get in the Institute and uh, go through the lessons, and then some of you will become also the, uh, the mentors of the next generation. Looking forward to seeing what God is going to do in that regard. All right, would you take your Bibles today with me? And would you turn, please, in the Gospel according to John? John's Gospel, the 20th chapter. As I've stated already, the picture on the front of your bulletin is somebody's idea of Jesus Christ sitting among his disciples, and this is, of course, what He did so frequently, but after He rose from the dead, He was there in the midst of them. And verse 19 of chapter 20 of John's Gospel is where we're going to begin today. John 20, verse 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Let me stop right there. It is a perfectly normal Human reaction or response to danger to experience fear. You just can't be motivated by it. You can't be directed by it. We need to be directed by the Spirit of God. If you belong to God, then fear is not your God and fear is not to direct you or guide you, but rather what you do should be based upon the Word of God, based upon biblical principle. If you ride the crest of the waves of your emotions, you're going to be up and down and up and down all through life. Even if you're a saved person, You're going to behave sometimes like an unsaved person if you're following the crest of the waves of the emotions of your life. Instead, we need to be following what Jesus says and what the Word of God says as the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us into all truth. So no matter what, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, we should be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We should be be following the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. We can be... Holy Spirit directed people in this day and age, no matter what's going on around you. So they were fearing the Jews, and then came Jesus and stood in the midst. Aren't you glad? He said, uh, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so He comes and He gathers with them in the midst. And saith unto them, please notice, and saith unto them, peace be unto you. And when He had so said, He showed unto them His hands and His sight. The evidence. The evidence. Do you know that all New Testament preaching after the resurrection included the resurrection? Did you know that? All New Testament preaching was based on the the historical death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The passion of our Savior. His completed work. The, The fact that there is evidence that He is very God. He is not just a good man or a prophet, but He is very God. He is God in a body. And so He says peace because he is the Prince of Peace. And uh, He shows His hands. He shows His side. They can see what man has done. And, and then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They knew it was the, the Savior. They knew it was Him. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. He said it not once, but He says it twice. He says it many times during His ministry because, you see, He is the one who dispenses peace. Peace is not to be found in your circumstances. Peace is to be found in your Savior. Come on now. Peace is not to be found in your circumstances. Peace is to be found in your Savior. So no matter what your circumstances are, you can have peace because you've got the Lord Jesus. Come on, give me an amen on that. Amen. Let's live it like we just said it. Amen. All right, it says, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. We're, gonna, we're going to narrow it down in a moment, but I want you to read the next verse. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. All right, look this way for just a moment. I know that many of you have been taught by those who are wrong in their biblical interpretation on certain points. There are those who will tell you that the church was established on the day of Pentecost. Something wonderful happened on Pentecost, but it was not the establishment of the church. What happened on the day of Pentecost was the endowment of power. The endowment of power. And you and I may have power. We can be controlled by, directed by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by, directed by the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Spirit controlled, the Spirit directed life. I believe Christians sometimes live like they're not saved because they're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. When I got saved, I got all of the Holy Spirit. He didn't just get all of me. I need to continually yield to the Holy Spirit. Come on now. This is truth. What I'm talking about is truth. I got all of the Holy Spirit, but He didn't necessarily get all of me. I need to yield continuously to Him. I need to allow Him to have guidance and direction in my life. He, the Holy Spirit is not simply a fact of theology. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God, and He has promised to indwell us. And the Lord said He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So if you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got God, the third person of the Trinity, inside of you. He is the down payment on heaven. He is the earnest of your inheritance. That means that we have that guarantee, that warranty that's been given to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Say, well, the Holy Spirit just makes me happy. He makes me more than happy. He makes me stable. He makes me he makes me uh, you know steady. He makes me he he makes me line up with his word. Praise the Lord as I yield to him. And the Holy Spirit is not just for a Sunday experience. The Holy Spirit is for 24/7 7 days out of the week, 24 hours a day, and the Holy Spirit's filling We'll make you a better husband, a better wife. We'll make you a better father, a better mother. Make you a better son, a better daughter. Make you brother, a better brother, a better sister. The Holy Spirit enables us to be our best for God and for His glory. And so here, when He says, receive ye the Holy Ghost, it kind of puts a crimp in people's charts or in their theological, uh, their theological understanding. They say, well, the, they didn't get the Holy Spirit until the day of Pentecost. Here the Holy Spirit is given to them when Jesus breathes on them and says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He wasn't talking about something that was going to happen. He was talking about something that was happening right then. Until this point, the Bible speaks much of God uh, the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit would come upon the champions, the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. Frequently He would come upon them. Uh, the rare exception would be otherwise within them, but upon them. But now we have the Holy Spirit coming within. And it begins with these disciples, the apostles, receiving the Holy Spirit. And say, why is it here and not on the day of Pentecost? Well, the church had begun during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Why, He had all of the elements of a local church, and, uh, and He had His prototype church when He met with them. And it's true That just as in many local churches, there were pluses and minuses. There was the good, the bad, and the ugly. But He was giving us a pattern of that which would come. A pattern of that which we have right here. Who's the head of our church? You say, well, let's see, it must be the pastor or the deacons or some leaders, some founders. No, the head of our church is Jesus Christ. And we are the body. That's it. Now, I know that in a larger sense, all the believers everywhere belong to Him and He's the head of them and I understand that part of it, but I'm talking about, <clears throat> about the local expression of this thing, <clears throat> this entity, this living organism, the body and we're, we're right here together, we assemble, that's why the church is essential, don't let any politician or any other person, any other compromiser tell you yeah. that the church is not essential. Same folks that are staying away, Some of, not all of you out there, now I'm not talking to all of you, but some of the folks that are staying away are the same ones that you can see down at Lowe's. And you can see them at Safeway. And you, you can see them at Wegmans. And you can see them out at Walmart, can't you? Come on now. Come on. Come on. No one has gotten sick from here. Amen. God's taking care of us. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking in a spooky way. This, I'm just being practical. I'm, I'm telling you exactly what it is. And since when did we ever, as Bible-believing people, step aside and let ungodly politicians tell us what to do? Come on! I take my orders from headquarters. New Jerusalem. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pray that you're going to get in trouble if you talk like that. Already there. That train has left the station. Amen. We stand for the truth. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. It never does. So when Jesus was here among His disciples, He was preparing them because He was about to depart. He'd been telling that that truth to them for many chapters already. And now He comes back after the resurrection and He says, Peace be unto you, peace be unto you. He says, As my Father hath sent me, so send I you. And He gives them this indwelling Holy Spirit because God never orders anything that He doesn't provide for. God would not expect you or me to do something that He commands you or me to do if He didn't give you or me what we need in order to do it. And so He gives them what they need. Prior to this point in time, you wonder why they slept in the garden. You wonder why they shrank from responsibility. You wonder why they fled under pressure and stress. I'll tell you why. Because they didn't have Him, and they didn't have this that I'm talking about, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so they were weak. And the change that takes place between this point and the day of Pentecost is night and day. And the Holy Spirit makes all the difference in your life. As I said, we'll be better at who we are and what we do with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. As my Father hath sent me, so send I you. Would you join me in prayer as I ask for the Lord to fill me and to fill you and to give us His message. Father, we thank You today that as we bring this message, we're not alone. I'm saying some things that some may consider to be bold and brash, but Lord, I'm not out on a limb, and if I am, I'm out there with You. And I thank you for that. And I pray right now that you will help us as Bible believers to not be afraid of the truth of the filling of the Holy Spirit, the direction that He gives and all that He provides for us to serve you and to do it effectively. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My spiritual grandfather, Dr. John R. Rice, was on a train. He was traveling through Canada, and he sat down next to a lady as they were traveling uh, across Canada. And through discussion, uh, he introduced himself as Evangelist John Rice. And she introduced herself, and it turned out she was a Jewess. She is, uh, was the daughter of a rabbi. And so they were talking, and as they proceeded uh, on their journey, he began to tell her, about Jesus Christ. And she was not afraid. At first she was, because sometimes people think they're going to be rejected for who they are. And uh, John I said, no, 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 my Savior was a Jew. And uh, He was a Jewish carpenter. And we love the Jewish people. And we love Israel. And by the way, everybody who reads their Bible loves Israel. Can I get an amen? If you don't love Israel, you've been listening to the wrong people. Amen. God's got a plan. I'll never, I'll never forget what Gabeline said. Gabeline said the key to prophetic truth is Jew. You keep what God says about the Jew, and you'll you'll have your thumb on the pulse of prophecy. And so praise God. He's talking to this Jewish uh, daughter of a rabbi, and he explains the cross. And he says they took him and they tried him, and he was unjustly convicted, and he was taken out, and he didn't fight for his life, and they. They beat him and and he was bloody and they they crucified him. They spat on him on the way to Calvary and they cursed him and they hung him on the cross and she began to weep. This Jewish lady began to weep. John Rice stops in his story and he says, I wish there were some Baptist deacons and some Presbyterian elders and some Methodist leaders that would weep like that Jewish woman did when she heard about the crucifixion of our Savior Jesus Christ. The problem today is not so much that there are tearless conversions. The problem today is that there are so many tearless converters. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again. Doubtless, preacher, doubtless. No doubt about it, they'll come again, rejoicing, bearing their sheaves, rejoicing. Praise the Lord. Too many dry-eyed converters. Too many hard-hearted, professing believers today. Sometimes, sometimes Tyler, it's like plowing concrete, isn't it? Amen. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit to soften up the soil. After he shared with this Jewish daughter of a rabbi why Jesus died, why He was buried, why He rose from the dead, she was able to meet her Messiah. Yeshua Messiah. Praise the Lord. She became a completed Jew. And I wish today, I pray today, that everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone viewing this message today, would understand that the number one business of every believer in this world is to share Jesus Christ and the good news of Jesus Christ and invite people to come and join at that great supper someday. And be one of his own and to be saved the Bible way. Uh, it is our privilege, it is our joy to be soul winners. And you know, the opposite of a winner is a loser. If we're not a soul winner, we're a soul loser. We're letting folks slip through our fingers into eternity without Jesus Christ. I can't imagine how horrible it will be. But your neighbor, your friend, your co worker, your relatives, people that you know, people with whom you're acquainted, people with whom you do business, the people that I know, people whose path I cross every day, the hand that I shake, Might be the hand that burns in eternity if I don't lead them to Jesus Christ. It is my joy, it is my privilege to live Jesus Christ before them and tell them why I'm so happy and why I'm so excited and why I haven't run out of gas. I'm still excited about Jesus. How about you? Amen. Preacher, one day you're going to get old. You're going to slow down. Yeah, another 50 years maybe. Spurgeon says... Quoting Ecclesiastes 11:6, 6, in the evening, withhold not thine hand. He says, let me no longer withhold my hand from a service that requires abundant labor. He talks about getting older. Get up, idle heart, stretch out your hands to work or lift them up in prayer. Life is so brief that no one can afford to lose a day. Winning souls is a far nobler work. Then why do we withdraw from it so soon? Some people are spared for a long evening of vigorous old age. If that is the case with me, let me use the talents that I still retain and serve my blessed and faithful Lord to my last hour. By His grace, I will die in the harness. I like that. That's Spurgeon. I will die in the harness. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said. So, that is in the same way, send I you. Jesus came from perfection, bliss, comfort, no sin. He came to a sin-cursed world. He came by way of uh, the vehicle of a virgin girl to be born in that virgin birth without sin. But He lived among sinners. He saw all of that which was going on around Him as the God-man. He was human enough to sleep in the boat, but He was God enough to stand up and say, Peace, be still. He experienced all that, 100% God, 100% man. How thankful we are that He is divine. But He took His directions from God the Father, He said, I came to do the Father's will. As a boy there in the temple, He said, "Wished ye not, didn't you know that I must be about my Father's business? When He left this world, He said to all of us, Occupy till I come. Occupy. We have an opportunity to do the work of the Lord Jesus Christ who's left us with this privilege to go as He came, to do as He did, to share as He shared. I've been one to win another. I've been born again so that I can bring another one to born again salvation in and through Jesus Christ. I've been given faith so that I can bring others to faith in Jesus Christ. This is our privilege. This is our joy. Everything healthy reproduces. Everything that is normal brings forth. And that's what we should be doing as well. We should be bringing forth. Somebody says, well, I don't have that specific gift of soul winning. The Bible does not present salvation uh, any other way as a gift. It is a gift. Uh, the Bible does not present the, the endowment that we receive from the Holy Spirit as anything else but a gift. It is a gift. But when it comes to soul winning, it is not a gift. Soul winning is a command. We're told in Mark 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're told that we're given the endowment of power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. We're not given a choice. We're commanded to do so. If when our boys were growing up, if I said, go out and mow the lawn, and they said, I don't feel called to do that, I would give them another chance and say, go out and mow the lawn. It's not based upon having a gift. Soul winning, soul winning is a command to every person who knows the Lord. The cults. Are wrong on so many things. But I was just reading again about the more common cults that come to your door. And uh, in this particular expose of the cults, that is, those who have a different God, a different Savior, a different Bible, a different system of belief, and so forth, I'm talking about the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, so called the Jehovah's Witnesses. When they come to your door, they will not always identify themselves. They, they will say, uh, we want to talk about uh, current events and the events of the kingdom and so forth. And yet they claim that they are the ones that have the name of Jehovah right and everybody else is wrong. And yet they want to keep it a secret until they can sneak up on you. It's, it's, not, called, it's not called faith, it's called salesmanship. And they're very good at what they do, even spreading error. The Mormons or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints so-called. Uh, are likewise that way. They will not always tell you. But you can tell, of course, who they are because of the way they're dressed and the bikes that they ride and so forth. But they won't always tell you exactly what they're up to. But they are very diligent about what they do. And as a result, the cults have exploded in numbers. And the, 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 the folks that become adherents to cults, many of them used to be Baptists. And when you ask them why they... Converted from being a Baptist to being a Jehovah's Witness or from being a Baptist to being a Mormon, they will tell you because they didn't get anything, they didn't receive anything when they were a professing believer in the Baptist church. What a shame. That's why you ought to enroll in Ed and Cheryl's program. That's why you ought to know what's between the covers. It's one thing for me to stand up and say, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Say it. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe there are no mistakes in it. I believe there are no mistakes in it. And God helping me, and God helping me, I'm going to try to obey it. I'm going to try to obey it. It's one thing to say that. It's one thing to walk back and forth on the, on the, on the platform and say the Bible is the Word of God. I believe this book, and I believe every word in it, everybody, amens. But what are the words between the covers? What does it say? And how does it transform your life? How does it make you to become what you ought to be? And how does it bring you to uh, maturity as a believer? We need to have our souls set on fire today. We need to be excited about the things of God. But we need to give uh, freedom to the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us and out of us. I remember reading there in Acts chapter uh, number 8 when the, the Spirit uh, took Philip and, and, uh, and Philip was there along of the road, waiting for the Ethiopian eunuch to come by in his chariot. And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. My experience has been in soul winning that when I give myself to the Lord, unreservedly, without conditions, when I don't tell the Lord how it's going to be, but allow Him to direct me and guide me, here's what happens. He opens doors of opportunity so that I get to speak to people that I would never otherwise cross paths with. This past week, my wife was in a certain place of business, and um, when she's in that certain place of business, I know that it is encouraging and it is uh, an expression of love and liberty on my part to allow her to go up and down the aisles and look at what she wants to and buy what she wants to buy because that's a good place for her to be. And while she was doing that, I didn't feel like going up and down all the aisles. So I went out, and there was a fellow sitting on a a bench there, and I sat down next to him, and I put up my hand. Now, from outward appearances, we didn't have anything in common. But I kind of observed that he was breathing, and we have that in common. And he's human, so we have that in common. And uh, he must have a pulse because he's still functioning, so we have that in common. My Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we had that in common. My Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us, we're not willing that who? Any should perish, but that all should come to repent. So I sat down next to him. That's enough in common, preacher. That's enough for me. Sat down, shook his hand, told him who I was, gave him a track. Said, I I wrote this little track, revised this little track. This is mine. I want you to read it. And he began to read it. And I excused myself. And I went inside the store. But I just went far enough where I, where I could look out the window, where I could see him, but he couldn't see me. And he was reading that track. Read it all the way through. I went back out. And I talked to him. And I asked him, I said, is it true? He says, yes, it's absolutely true. I said, have you done that? He said, yes, I've done that. And you see, we had the opportunity to interact, even though there were just a few moments time. Do what you can do, where you are, when you can do it. Be a witness. If you can be a witness, if you can be a, uh, an outward verbal witness, be a witness. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you and direct you to do what you can do wherever you are. On the converse, the flip side, how many of you have ever been directed by the Holy Spirit, but you resisted what the Holy Spirit told you to do or say when you had an opportunity to be a witness? Come on, i got my hand up. Now, what do you feel like after that? Absolutely. If you get right with God, you get back in your car and you drive back to where that is and you try to find that person again. I was a little brusque with a a man years ago. He was in a convenience store. And uh, I was there purchasing something and he pointed at the magazine rack and it had uh, some religious person on the front. And he said, is that a moral issue about the particular subject of the magazine? And I looked at him straightened myself up in my fundamentalist, independent, Baptist, you know, Uh, Posture, And I said, every issue is a moral issue. Like I just said something profound, Gabe. And then I walked out the door. And later on, I said, you know, that was brusque. That wasn't a good witness. And I went back and praise the Lord, he was still there and had the privilege of going through the plan of salvation and leading him to Jesus Christ. What followed is that he and his family came to our church. I had the privilege of baptizing them. My wife and I had the privilege of discipling them. And today he is the pastor of an independent Baptist church. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He is a divine person. He is equal with the Father. He is equal with the Son. It says in John 14, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter that... Uh, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. How do you like that? All those personal pronouns. The Holy Spirit of God is God. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. On our platform we have a globe. I am Trusting that somebody every once in a while looks at that globe and says, I need to obey God and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I need to be the one that goes and reaches that one that only I can reach. The one whose path I cross. The one to whom I ought to be speaking right now. We need to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying that you'll look at this globe today. I'm praying that you'll walk out that hallway, and look at those faces of all those 150 missionaries and their families and where they're serving the Lord around the world and how they're serving the Lord under all kinds of difficult circumstances and doing the work of God as an extension of this local church. And you'll say, Lord, send me, send me. As the Father hath sent me, Jesus said, even so send I you. Your giving is generous. Praise God for it. I'm praying that when the offering plate is passed, that you'll continue to give generously because you can't outgive the Lord. I'm praying that you will go back online and look at the soul winning clinic. It's just a couple of hours of your life to invest in the how to, uh, how to's of winning souls to Jesus Christ. How to draw the net. How to bring people to salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad that in my lifetime, I've made friendships with those who were soul winners. I'm glad that my closest friends were all personal soul winners. I'm glad that I knew C.W. Fisk, who taught me how to win souls. I'm glad that I was friends with Wally Beebe. I'm glad that I was friends with John R. Rice. I'm glad that I was friends with Ron Zawatko, got to preach his funeral and got to see his family come to Christ at that funeral. I'm glad I hung out with soul winners. I'm glad I didn't hang out with the deeper lifers, the people who say, well, the day of soul winning is past, the day of great revivals is past. The days, the days of evangelism are past. I'm glad I hung out with people that didn't believe that foolishness. When people say to me, well, the days of great revivals, the great soul-winning days, while well, they're past. Then I say, well, you and the devil agree. Dr. Hancock used to say nice things about this church and about this preacher. He talked about the number of souls we won per capita and how it was like... One of the great churches, and I want to say to you right now, no matter what goes on, whatever policies may be in effect out here, we still can win souls to Jesus Christ. We can still tell people about Jesus Christ. We can still share the gospel. We need to do it. People are still going to hell. Hell has not gone out of business. Hell, hell does not practice social distancing. Hell does not put COVID restrictions on people. People are still going to hell. They need salvation. They need Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody tell you it's okay to drop back and punt. This is not the time to drop back and punt. This is the time for us to send four four long. Amen, Gabe? Let's send four long. And if I've got to, I'll dump it off to the running back. And if I have to, I'll put a block in that defensive back and let that guy spring free. It's not too late for us to win souls. It's not too late for us to do what God has told us to do. It is not a choice. It is a mandate. It is a responsibility. It is a high and holy privilege. As the Father hath sent me, Jesus said, so send I you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Please, nobody looking. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Come on. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. How many of you today would say, preacher, you know, I believe in soul winning and I want to be a better soul winner. I want to do what God would have me to do in the area of soul winning. Put your hands up high. I want to be a better soul winner. God helping me. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray for you in just a few moments. When we extend the invitation, we've already sung, set my soul afire. We're going to be singing just as I am in just a few minutes. And when we do, I want you to come from where you are. And if you want to pray about being a soul winner, find a place to sit or kneel and pray and ask God to help you. Pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Pray about those that you know that are lost, that you work with, or those who are related to you, those who may even share your house, share your life that need Jesus still, they're not saved. Those that you cross paths with that need to be saved, let's come and pray for them. Call out to God and beg for their souls and pray that God will give us an open door of opportunity to speak to them about Jesus. And if today uh, you uh, desire membership or baptism, would you come? And then likewise, I want to speak to those of you who do not know for sure that heaven is your home. Now, those that are online right now are being offered the invitation to receive Jesus Christ. I would like to do the same thing for you. Without any uh, other special invitation right now, if you're not sure you're saved, right now is the time. Right now, if you've never received Christ, you're not sure you're saved, right now is the time. Will you call upon the name of the Lord and ask Him to save you? Pray something like this from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer, And meant it. Would you slip your hand up so I can see it right now? I prayed that prayer, and I meant it.